The term anti-racist means being action-oriented and taking steps that have a measurable impact on the reduction of racist outcomes. In an ever-changing and growing society, how can emerging companies become anti-racist? In this episode of Privately Speaking, host and KPMG audit partner Erica Whitmore talks with Ryan Pintado Vertner, CEO and founder of Smoketown, to discuss what it means for a brand to be anti-racist and actions companies can implement. So thank you everyone for joining today. I am so excited to have Ryan Pintado Vertner with us. He is the CEO and founder of a company called Smoketown, which Ryan, that is such an awesome name. <laughs> I hope you, you can take full credit for coming up with that. Um, but I met Ryan at the Mo Summit, which is put on by Big Path Capital um, for impact CEOs and companies. And and I was just, I just could not wait to try to get him on this podcast and and get him, get you, Ryan, to our audience. Um, so super excited to have you here today. Very, very important topic, I think, for every company. Um, but especially for our high growth companies who who may not always have resources, right, to think about some of these things. I think this is going to be a really, really good thing for these companies to hear about. So with that, Ryan, if you could give us um, an introduction of yourself, that would be great. Thank you. I'm happy to. Um, first of all, I, I am so appreciative of, of you inviting me. Thank you for, uh, for what you said a moment ago. Um, this is, I don't take for granted that that you gave me the invitation, so thank you. Um, yeah. That's so good. my name is yeah, my, my name is Ryan. Uh, the as you said, the the company that I started is Smoketown. Um, Smoketown is actually a, a neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it, it's the neighborhood that my grandfather grew up in, and when I was growing up, uh, he he's an amazing storyteller and used to tell these sort of ridiculous stories about what what it was like growing up in Smoketown, and. Awesome. Um, and and the stories always had a through line in in one way or another they sort of like tied back to his commitment to his family's potential to his own potential um believing in what was possible despite you know all of the signals that that america was sending him he, you know, he's a black man growing up in the south uh so he had really no reason to believe that two generations later he'd have a you know son with an mba and you know, his daughter would have an MBA, and like so. It, it, it when I got a chance to name the company, I, I named it essentially after after him and his legacy and, and my grandmother. Um, but so, thank you for for the shout out on the name. I appreciate it. And uh, what what Smoketown does, uh, we're a boutique consultancy that is all about helping mission driven brands maximize their growth and also maximize their positive impact without one set of choices compromising the other. Uh, the, the, the two big ways that we do that, the two superpowers that we have, one is that we are brand strategy, growth strategy, innovation strategy nerds, and we we approach that nerdiness through the lens of, of being consumer grounded. So we can do custom consumer research, we embed at, at that kind of consumer-centric thinking in everything we do. And then the second big superpower that we have is that we play the fractional marketing leadership stack for companies that are at a stage where they need a CMO or a head of marketing or that that equivalent level of skill set, but they're just not in a position to bring that person in uh, full time. And so we we provide that that service on a fractional basis. Uh, the And I came to those two things 
in a pretty improbable way. Like the last 14 years of my career, I was in big CPG companies. So I, I cut my teeth at companies like Clorox, always you know, on the P&L, always sat at the hub of the, of, of the wheel. Uh, but before that, I was an activist and was in the nonprofit sector, totally and completely focused on social justice, racial justice, environmental justice, and and uh, eventually built Smoketown as and as an opportunity to bring those two parts of myself together. That's awesome, Brian, and thank you for giving us that background. I think that's super helpful. And so the topic today is how emerging companies can be anti-racist. And I do think that it'd be really good to ground ourselves, Ryan, and, and just kind of what does that mean, right? So what does it mean for a brand or a company to be anti-racist? Let's start with just defining the term anti-racist. That is not necessarily something that, that that's not a term that everyone knows. It, it's, uh, so I'll, I'll just presume for the moment that folks have never heard that, heard that term. It, it was coined by a, a, a writer and activist and academic named Ibram X. Kendi. Uh, he wrote a book called How to Be Anti-Racist. The core premise of the book, everyone should read it. I'm not going to do it nearly enough justice in the next 30 seconds. But but one of the core theses of the book is that racism is, is a persistent, embedded, powerful part of the economy and society. And it therefore requires people who are focused on act, taking concrete steps to proactively dismantle the racist structure and create uh, positive outcomes that that reduce um, wealth gaps, that reduce uh, criminalization gaps, that that all of the ways that we all know that racism manifests in the country. It's it's about concretely doing things that dismantle that. And so when you take that idea of you know what it means to be an anti-racist is, is that it means to be action-oriented and, and doing concrete things that have a measurable impact on reduction in, in racist, racist outcomes, and you merge that with, with brand building, uh, you now need to think about anti-racism as strategy. Anti-racism is strategy. And, and my definition of strategy, my favorite definition of strategy is um, by A.G. Laffley. He wrote a book. Uh, he used to work, he, he used to run the show at Procter & Gamble. Uh, he may still run the show, I can't remember. Um, and he wrote a book uh, about strategy, and he, and he describes strategy as choice. Strategy is choice. It's choosing to do some things and not others, and then building a business around those choices. So if we think of anti-racism as strategy, then, then what it means to build an anti-racist brand is to, is to make um, anti-racist choices and build those cho- and then build a business around those choices. So I think that that brings us to our next question. So in terms of companies, right, and brands, what does it look like? You know, like, what does that mean, right? What does it mean to be anti-racist? And, you know, where does a company start? To to build an anti-racist brand without having yourself gone through the difficult personal work of committing to anti-racism, understanding it, you know, recognizing your perhaps role in racism, being ready to to have difficult conversations. If that hasn't happened first, mm-hmm. it's, this is going to be 
the wrong choice. The then the second thing that 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 is fundamental to being building an anti-racist business or brand is there's got to be a commitment to and an actual and 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 actually accomplishing a high level of diversity amongst mm-hmm. the the staff, amongst the leadership, amongst the ownership. But I'm going to move on from that and 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 push further. So if we think of the table stakes, the basics are do the personal level anti-racist work right. and commit to diversity and inclusion and then actually deliver on those commitments. If, if we think of that as the foundation, what else does it mean to be an anti-racist brand? I would argue that that's not enough to be an anti-racist brand. Yep. You've just you've just managed to not do harm, right? Like, but that's not actually being anti-racist, in my opinion. So, what it really means to build an anti-racist business or brand is to be able to answer the question: um, Will will black people as a community be better off in tangible ways if your strategy is successful? Will brown people as a community be better off? intangible ways if the strategy is successful. That's ultimately the litmus test that an anti-racist brand has to hold itself to. Uh, that's significantly different than filling your Instagram feed with racial justice assertions. It's significantly different than hiring a different, you know, casting a different set of models so that your brand shows up more diverse and, and, and more colorful than what used to be true. I'm not saying that those are bad things. I'm right, just saying right. that, that that falls short of the, of the standard of what it means to build an anti-racist brand if we're going to define anti-racism as having a measurable yeah. impact in, in chipping away at racist outcomes in, in the country. No, and Ryan, I think, that, I think that's fair, right? And I think that actually is really helpful, right, to set the stage and here's table stakes and here's what, you know, you need to start with. But then what is that next, like, give us some examples, right? Like, what's that next level look like, right? Mm -hmm. Like, when you're actually, it is actually part of your strategy and it's not a, like you said, just a a feel-good post here and there, right? Like, what what does that look like? What I love about the that that question about like are are people going to be better off? Are people of color actually going to be better off? What I love about that is that for the for for me as a business nerd and for the audience as you know business leaders, we all know KPIs. You know, like we know that that a strategy is only as good as its ability to deliver on the KPIs. If the KPIs don't show up, the strategy didn't work. Period. Right. Like yeah. there there can be like nuanced debates and. You know, but at the end of the day, like strategies are they're measurable in their effectiveness or lack of effectiveness. And so what what if we hold ourselves accountable to that idea that we're having measurable and real impact, let's think about the ways that that racism manifests in in its most sort of pernicious in, in the most pernicious ways and at least in the context of, of American capitalism. Uh, one of them is the wealth gap. It's staggeringly, it's ridiculous, right? Like the, 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 the delta between the average wealth 
of black folks in the U in the U.S. and the average wealth of white folks in the U.S. That it's it's persistent. You know, it's hardly changed. I actually think I read that it got worse during the pandemic. Um, so so let's just choose that as one specific example of a racist outcome. Well, you you mentioned that you've that 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 um, much of the audience here are high growth companies. High growth companies are generally speaking backed by venture capital. Well, um, who is on the cap table? Who is going to who is going to benefit from the wealth creation that um, that your business is in is 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 up to? Is it, where's the anti-racism in the cap table? So one of my favorite examples of a company that that has sort of embedded anti-racism fully into who and what they are, uh, you know, the, that, that founder and I talked and, and she described to me just having made a, a very concrete decision. I am going to have the most diverse cap table anyone has ever seen, period. And she went and did it. She went and did it. She That's found... Me investors she found both a combination of angels and institutional investors who were who got who were on board with that plan and she in fact built an, an incredibly diverse cap table so that's one example of what it means to actually make a difference she's actually going to make a difference in the wealth gap because when her company is successful and successfully exits uh, and by the way this is a woman who had had pre in, in her previous uh, run it at entrepreneurship built a tech unicorn so like she's going to she's going to get it done right she's not right. so actual wealth is going to be created so there's one concrete example another concrete example um in and there's uh, to, to go back there's a number of ways to ensure that your brand's choices are are building wealth in black and brown communities, and I'd say in black and indigenous communities in particular, it, one way is to is to use the lever of the cap table. The other way is to think about um, how what level of employee is given access to equity and stock in the company, right? Like, do you have to be an executive who's already making three hundred thousand dollars a year to get equity, or do you get equity as a line worker? who's building the widget that you're selling, right? So there's right. another way to think about yeah. how to create wealth. There's ways to think about, you know, who's in the supply chain and scrutinizing ownership in the supply chain. There's what, so that, that piece around wealth creation goes on and on. But then there's another piece, in, in concretely in the way that racism manifests in the U.S., which is, um, which is public policy, public policies that, that systematically disenfranchise, incarcerate, disempower black and brown communities, build incinerators next to black communities. I mean, we can go on and on about the concrete public policy choices that create these racist, these, these racist outcomes. So another example that's one of my favorites is, um, is a company that it, it fully fuses racial justice advocacy into a significant um, uh, percentage of the marketing choices that they make. So concretely, they've got an ice cream product line that partners with Colin Kaepernick, 
you know, former NFL quarterback and star, current activist who um, is on a mission to to reduce racist outcomes, and in particular is focused on the intersection between criminal justice, the criminal justice system, and 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 black and brown youth. He's built a nonprofit that's completely focused on helping black and brown youth understand their rights so that they can navigate interactions with law enforcement and interactions with the criminal justice system in a, in a better informed way. Well, this ice cream is co-branded with Colin Kaepernick and his nonprofit. The proceeds of it support the nonprofit. The communication platform allows them to tell the story. And it's and that's going to have concrete and measurable anti-racist impacts. Contrast that with selling ice cream that that has Juneteenth on it. Who, in what measurable way are black and brown lives better off because a company sold more ice cream that, right. that, that says Juneteenth? Like it's it's it, that's that's performative and and you know marginally representational it's not in any way assaulting the the core structure of of how racism operates in the US no i think that's a i think that's a great example right of you know digging deeper right um you know when we when we were preparing ryan you had a really good example too um yeah. of a SaaS company and, and I know we're, we're running short on time, but I, I think that, you know, I think our audience would really benefit from that example, too, if you're willing to share it. Yeah. So one of the things that I love about strategy in general, the reason I'm a big nerd, is I, I, I love to celebrate when a strategy aligns all aspects of what makes a company great what its brand is differentiated on, what its technology enables, what the business model supports, all of that stuff should be aligned. That's when you know you've got a really solid strategy. And so there's a company that um, whose business model is to help tech firms find, recruit, and, and hire, specifically interview, software engineers globally. Um, that and that company has made a commitment to doubling the number of black software engineers in the U.S. I forget over what time horizon, but um, and they've built out a program that will um, that that that's taking concrete steps to bring about that outcome. So, what's the what's the measurable impact? Like, what's the KPI that's tied to that? Today, there are an abysmally small number of black software engineers in the U.S. They, after, if their strategy is successful, they will have doubled that number. But what's also beautiful and, and, and I think impressive about that strategy, um, at least in the, in, as much as I know about it, is it, it's, it also makes a ton of sense in the context of their business model. So their choice to invest in building a pipeline of black software engineers, their investor pool, like their, their, their board of directors is not, is unlikely to come after that as like a wasted effort because it actually syncs up and makes a ton of sense 
for the business that they're building. Their business is entirely about making it easier for software engineers to get jobs. Uh, so that's a, that's a second example that's that's more in the tech space of uh, of what's possible when we set our sights on measurable impact and right. uh, and and fully embedding those those choices in, in in strategy. Thank you for sharing that. I think that I think that resonates and that is that is super helpful. So one last question, Ryan. I, I know I've taken a lot of your time today, but I do think this is such an important topic and. I'm just so, so excited for the audience to hear this, but what would you like to leave our audience with? The way I think about this, there's two things that I, I believe are, frankly speaking, a, a mortal threat to American democracy. Uh, one of them is racism, and the other is climate crisis, is, 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 is climate change. And I think that everyone in the audience probably agrees with that second assertion, right? Like, it's well understood that the, the path that we're on is leading to um, cataclysmic levels and change of, uh, uh, that, will change that, that will restructure the economy. It will, so it has all these negative outcomes that we, that we know and understand and are bought into. And therefore, when... We're evaluating the efforts that a company invests in climate and in sustainability. We recognize what's inadequate. We recognize that we're way past the point where having a recycling program or you know composting a little bit more is 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 going to make a difference. Like we need to completely restructure the economy. We need to to change you know extractive business models like big oil, that's a well understood concept. I think that what we need is to, is, and what I would challenge the audience to do, is to take that same idea and apply it to racism as an equally present threat. We're well past the point where the basics, table stakes, are adequate. We're at a point where we need companies and leaders that make bold commitments, that build compelling strategies that set large, significant anti-racist objectives in order for us to avert the, 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 the threat that, uh, that, that racism presents to, to this country that we all love and to this democracy to, that, that we so deeply care about. Brian, that thank you so much. I mean, I, I really think I'm really glad we went to that question. <laughs> I think that was a, a, a good way to sum it up. I, well, I can't thank you enough for your time and like I said at the beginning, uh, just a topic that's so, so relevant. And I just really hope that, you know, if all companies can move the needle, right, we'll be in a much better place. So yeah. thank you for your time and, and for being willing to, uh, to help us out. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm so grateful that you invited me. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Privately Speaking with KPMG. Be sure to subscribe to the series to be notified of new episodes.